Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. This is poet Evie Shockley reading from her work as part of the event Young African American Poets, a Celebration of New Writing, co-sponsored by the Yale Collection of American Literature Reading Series and New Ideas in African American Studies on October 28, 2008. The poet is introduced by Nancy Cool, curator of the Yale Collection of American Literature at the Beinecke Rare Book and Manuscript Library. Evie Shockley is the author of a chapbook, The Gorgon Goddess, and a full-length collection of poetry, A Half-Red Sea, published by Carolina Wren Press in 2006. A scholar as well as a poet, Shockley is at work on a groundbreaking critical project, Renegade Poetics, Black Aesthetics, and Formal Innovation in African American Poetry. She's currently on the faculty at Rutgers University. What I admire most in A Half-Red Sea is Shockley's imaginative use of both free verse and received poetic structures. She is as confident writing a sonnet as she is working in spatial forms, and she isn't at all afraid to create her own dynamic poetic structures. When combined with her thoughtful preoccupation with American history, Shockley's agile experimentation with strict and loose poetic forms is both poignant and startling. Her reader is always reminded of the power of language, of poetry, to ground us, even as it pushes forward, breaking through. Please welcome Evie Shockley. I'd like to begin uh, with a few poems from uh, my book, Half Red Sea, um, starting with an invocation of a poet I love almost, probably almost, as much as Elizabeth does. Possibilities of Poetry upon her death for Gwendolyn Brooks. Ars poetica, rough ship, drag me from world to brutal word, mental passage, right. Be a whale of a sound, surfacing to fountain, dark water found in valleys of shadow of breath. I will brook no evil, for thou art not gone, Gwen, and poems made of tears evaporate. When the drops dry, scrape gray lines of salt and dreams from brown faces, right. Melt like a verb into this rich white earth of paper. Grow an oeuvre from a need. It always feels better to read when Gwendolyn Brooks is in the room. Um, I want to read now a poem. This is an acrostic poem for whatever that's worth. Um, that I wrote right after my first visit to London a few years ago. Um, it, was, uh, it was during a time when I was doing um, some work on Victorian literature and uh, was therefore teaching not only African American literature but um, also British lit. And so there was a lot of that in my head. Um, and yet, I was not prepared um, somehow for the afternoon, uh, early evening, that I went to St. Paul's Cathedral, uh, walked in um, during Vespers, and heard the Anglican choir sing a Negro spiritual. Um, so that got me thinking about cultural exchange, cultural appropriation, um, movement around this world, and uh, this poem is what happened. The acrostic is also the first line, just so you know. London Bridge. Deep river, my home is over Jordan. 
Entering the cathedral, I hear these removing words echoing off the tear-stained glass windows. People from a hundred nations, wet with London rain, dripping from their hair and umbrellas, pooling into puddles the spit of fifty foreign tongues, visaed by Christ. The choir mouths open, a blues estuary stems the vernacular tide, denegros denotes, refrains from a spiritual funk, imports my past, refines the raw product, the no of my yesterday. Onyx pearls lost overboard, what the hell could not hold, so many in the same boat. Othello came to England during Elizabeth's reign, moored to the stage, the noblest of savages. He entertained the idea of Robeson, St. Paul's immaculate reception. The Thames, not an old man to sing home about, but on its shores, the solid opulence of the Anglican church, a veritable vault of safety from enemy bombs, starvation, sail. Excommunication, the greatest threat. Not to be refused the shelter of its thick stone walls, just swallow this wafer of state and be swallowed. Open your heart to the God of Gladstone, Disraeli, and Churchill. Must Jesus bear this cross alone? Devil on the deep blue sea. Just one more bon voyage across the Atlantic, the Pacific. The world awaits. You'd not have thought death had unhomed so many. Um, today is my mother's birthday, and uh, I would not be able to be with her in any case, but I called her this morning, and I said, I'm um, going to read a poem, you know, sort of dedicated to you, and she said, oh, that's lovely, dear, and she said, tell y'all hi. <laughs> so, hello from my mother, and um, for her, this is her 75th birthday. Um, this poem, Lifeline. It was inspired by a poem, uh, by a picture, a photo I saw, um, gosh, maybe four or five years ago now when Mozambique um, suffered all those floods. Um, hopefully, if you've seen the picture, you'll know what it is from, from hearing this poem. Lifeline. Wedged in the top branches, rain still sighing to earth as a dissolute sky dissolves, a Mozambican woman turns mother her water breaking loose to pool with the flood licking the trunk below. A country-sized puddle calls forth the child whose name the mother vowed would not be drowned, no matter how high she had to climb. My mother's water washed her bare yellow bathroom tile many years ago, a diluvial warning of my struggle to arrive. We fought to get me out and have been tugging at each other ever since tethered by a cord that simply thickens when it's cut. We descended then, thirsting, churning, not into the waters that hound the Mozambican mother, baying her and her baby in the tree, but into that enduring ocean in which, as mother, daughter, or both, a woman's only choices are drink or swim. Um... I, oh gosh, I'm so tempted. To, I'm going to read this poem just because <laughs> I'm, in, I'm inspired and influenced by my, uh, by my poet friends here. Um, 
they've all been reading poems of place, and uh, I am from the South, so I am going to represent. And um, this poem is a response to the way the South, in its archetypes, is never about me. Um, are people who look like me particularly. And um, I, you know, people, I usually read this in the South where people are going to get all the references. Um, and maybe, maybe perhaps some of you are from the South. But um, the one reference I will gloss, since it would be a, a long job otherwise, is at the end you will hear a reference to that children's story, uh, The Ugly Duckling. You all remember that? Okay, so. It's called, Cause I'm from Dixie too. I am Southern, hear me roar. I am burning flags bearing crosses. I am scarlet and prissy like a piece of carmine velvet at Christmas. Don't know nothing about birth and no rabies, so don't come foaming at my mouth. I am Miss Dixie, and a miss is as good as a guile. I am a daughter of the Confederacy. Come on, Dad, don't you know me? Here, let me put on this hood and sheet. Do my eyes look more familiar now, surrounded by bleach? I am Southern, damn it. Y'all keep forgetting. My birth was our wedding till death do us part. I took the gal out of Tennessee, but the South came back to me. The North left me cold, though there's some Southern heat I could do without, i.e. stick to barbecuing cows and pigs. But I'll take a late summer and a fall so long I land right back in Piedmont Eden. Hell, it's hot. I am Southern, got this drawl that comes from swallow and final consonants, cuss words, loose meaning. Gonna spew it all back at you. Sew it in ink on the fabric of a myth of a land of cotton on page after rotten page. Book away, book away, book away, Dixie Band. Oh, sweet tea, honey sugar dumpling pie. I'll swallow more. So much sweet stuff, my magnolias will shoot out blossoms protruding raw cane. This is my legacy. The freak will inherit the mirth. Ah, 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 mammy, don't you want me? Don't you want me home? Come on, mammy. I mean, Miss Anne, I may be your ugly duckling now, but when those folks up north will see me no more when I get to that swanee shore. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm going to read a poem. This is another, another reason this is a special day. I'm going to read a poem in honor of um, Connecticut legalizing marriage across the board. This is called the Defense of Marriage Act Alternatives Two. Act like you've seen breasts before. Act like you can have sex when you get home. Act like you made a promise. Act like you've got some sense. Act like a commitment is a commitment is a commitment. Act up. Act like you've got a ring on your finger. Act like you know a tax break when you see one. Act one, boy meets girl. Act two, boy marries girl to her girlfriend. Act three, boy attends 20th anniversary party for a girl and her wife. Act natural. Act like there's an entire globe of people invested in this institution. Act like the best defense is not offensive. Act like you want a wife, not a live-in nanny. Act like you want a husband, not a sperm bank. Act like there's more than one way to bring children into a family. Act right. Act like you love your spouse. Act like this institution is more contractual than penal. Act like any vows can be as meaningful as your own. Act like marriages are not the problem with marriage. Act like you've heard of the separation of church and state. Act now. Thank you.
Now you're obligated to do that after every poem. Just kidding. In fact, don't. <laughs> no. um, two poems um, that are <sighs> poems that I wrote in one of those moments where I um, am both hopeful and depressed. So um, we'll see how they, they strike us today. My last modernist poem, number four, or re-rebirth of a nation. A clean-cut man brings a brown blackness to a dream-carved, unprecedented place. Some see in this the end of race, like the end of a race that begins with a gun, a finished line we might finally limp across. For others, this miracle marks an end like year's end, the kind that whips around again and again, an end that is chilling with a lethal spring coiled in the snow. Ask Lazarus about miracles. The hard part comes afterwards. He stepped into the reconstruction of his life, knowing what would come, but not how. And this one takes a very different approach to some of the same thoughts. It's, um, it was inspired by, uh, this is about a year ago now, a little over, by um, listening to my mother singing to uh, my then newborn twin nieces. And um, remembering her singing that song to us when we were kids, um, thinking about the future, their future, and um, what kind of you know, hopes I have for them. And uh, I think that's, an, that's, that's enough introduction. It's called Duck, Duck, Redux, and there are two epigraphs. Um, the first is, those who cannot remember the past are doomed to repeat it, George Santayana. Those who cannot forget the past are destined to remix it. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way we wash our face, wash our face, wash our face. This is the way we wash our face so early in the morning. This is the way we segregate our schools in 1896. This is the way we segregate our schools in 2007. Mary had a little lamb. A bad, bad black sheep with three bags full of wool. It followed her to school one day, work one day, Wimbledon one day. It followed her to church one day, which was against the rule. This is the way we patrol the roads in the antebellum south. This is the way we patrol the streets in our shiny New York. Cue wedding bell. Oh, bring back my Shawnee to me. This is the way we appropriate black culture in the post-reconstruction period. This is the way we appropriate black culture in the 21st century. This little piggy went to market, got mad bling for spitting whack rhymes and calling women hoes and still wound up crying, wee, 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 all the way home. This is the way we use a noose in Jim Crow America. This is the way we use a noose in Gina, Louisiana. Little blues boy, come blow your horn. I'm sorry to tell you, but his horn's done gone. And as for the boy who used to blow so sweet, he's under a mountain of debt working for minimum wage. This is the way we wash our hands of you historically, throw you into the Atlantic, spray you with Birmingham hoses. 
This is the way we wash our hands of you today with jerry-rigged levees. So early, so, so early in the millennium. And um, what I want to do uh, with what I hope was about five, five minutes, last little bit of this, is read from a series of poems that I started writing in the paralysis moment after my first book came out. I understand this is common, uh, <laughs> but I certainly was um, distraught to find this feeling of, oh my God, what, what should I write? What can I write? What, what? Um, and fortunately for me, a internet, uh, a, an email came randomly across my computer um, asking for flash fiction of exactly 31 words. It, it was for, I don't know, remember even why that was the number. But I just, I remember having this thought, well, I could write 31 words, right? Surely. And um, started writing these 31 word prose poems and they've been coming. So there's a whole series of them now, and um, I've just pulled some. They're connected, uh, as a whole, connected by nothing but that form. Um, they move through a lot of emotional registers and topics, so just kind of let them come. Some of them are, are riffs, some of them, a few of them are portraits, very coded um, portraits to women poets I admire. And a uh, few of them refer to current events. Um, you could listen for Katrina, um, more on police brutality, and um, oh, inappropriate shock jock commentary. All right. Introducing 31 words, prime literature. One of the pros of these poems is that reading them aloud isn't just aloud, but encouraged. A haute voix or sotto voce, their utter poetry. Once there were 31 words. They couldn't get along. They couldn't go back where they came from. They couldn't decide whether to be California or fuck California. Here they are addressing you. In the beginning, he, she, or it always. The only exception. Then one day, no one ever thought. Chapter 17, and quite by coincidence, the next thing we knew, reader, I. Small letters signify to some an author's sense of her inconsequence, to others, disgraceful defiance. From either standpoint, she who starts sentences or writes eyes in lowercase commits a capital offense. Ask not on whom Bell's death takes its toll. Some have the blues, some wear them. How many NYPD bullets does it take to kill a black man? More and more. Who done it? Turn the flowers of salt water and sand into hieratic drawings sketched with words. Sent a phantom Helen decoying to Troy. Hardly Dickinsonian, hyacinth dame, heroic divine. Wanted. 31 words for position in fast-growing article, looking for terms that are ready to get out there and communicate. Bilingual a plus. On-the-job training, great benefits. Come join our text. 
Dreads, braids, twists, fros, nappy do's come without don'ts. Black women have no privates. Our hair is public even when it's pubic. Like tar, baby, our own dark, sticky sales pitch. You grew something new from red woe, a boy's broken body and the made miles wooden rose. Like Mamie, you knew it was no time to deny the gore and dolor. Everybody made predictions and everybody ignored the predictions. It rained and rained, but that wasn't the problem. It was the breaking and the failing. Poor, poor, please don't drink the gasoline. You deserve a decent love poem, but this indecent one must do. My ardor's totally exposed. It's truly unruly and goes naked in public places. Happily, it has never been arrested. She is merry, yet sullen. She is airy, yet woolen. She is fairy, net fallen. She is Larry, met Ellen. She is prairie, sweat, pollen. She is starry, wet, swollen, unstolen. 31 words at the airport didn't know if they were coming or going. They wanted to follow all directions at once. They cleared security with one quick compliment. You're the bomb. <laughs> I sing the body electrified, the flesh seared, the muscle separated from bone, the skin pierced, the genitals invaded, removed, the heart already broken finally stopped, thus unholy reunion with earth. 31 words searched for peace, traveling by starlight when serenity is visible as a scent on the wind. Some never returned. The others, you couldn't get a sentence out of them. Thanks. That was poet Evie Shockley reading at the Beinecke Library on October 28, 2008.